2 Peter, starting from the first verse in the book. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for our godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble, and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you'll always be able to remember these things. Well, good morning, everyone. If we haven't met, my name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here, part-time at uh, Trinity Church Tonsley. And before we get underway today, I just wanted to add my encouragement uh, to Cam's before uh, regarding uh, our partnership with Compassion. I had the great privilege uh, in the pre-COVID world to head over to the Philippines with David. And one of the things that struck me the most was actually... Uh, the, the young men and women in their sort of early uh, 20s now who are giving much of their time in the local church and with compassion and will offer our tour guides as we walk through villages just to see how much they knew everyone and everyone knew them and how much of a blessing uh, they had become in the local community and sharing with them over at meals and things like that just to see how far, like we saw in our video, they'd come from having really no future uh, and no past pathway forward to actually being really productive and fruitful members of their local uh, church community. So we as a, a family have uh, continued to sponsor a, sponsor a compassion child and it's been really great to see over the seven years that David's uh, been with us and that we've had this formal partnership with compassion from that to start from a uh, handful of children sponsored uh, to now at Colonel Lake Gardens and here as David said to have over a hundred uh, kids uh, sponsored together. 
So I really commend that to you because I think uh, right around the world a lot of us are feeling the pinch with uh, cost of living and all sorts of things and it's uh, probably the natural tendency to shrink our focus in a little closer to home. I think it's a great thing as Christians uh, out of great love for the world to keep pushing back against that natural tendency and uh, to say to the world's poor uh, that God loves you and we want to tangibly uh, support you in this way. Well, as we start this uh, series in 2 Peter, uh, it's good to kind of get a head around sort of the occasion uh, of the book. We're actually getting some very precious insights from the Apostle Peter, a person who lived one of the most consequential lives in history. Uh, That flowed out of his very special relationship with Jesus and the role Jesus sort of appointed him for as the rock on which Jesus would build his church. I don't know if you've ever had the immense privilege of spending time with someone towards the end of their life who retains the gift of still being sharp of mind while their body signs off on this mortal life. As a young pastor about 12 years ago, fresh out of Bible college, Uh, The leadership team at my first congregation, the 1030 service at Trinity Church Adelaide, suggested that I go and spend some time with one of the elderly members in our community. Uh, I presumed uh, he needed some encouragement, but they were actually quite clear that they thought this would be good for my encouragement as uh, a young pastor. And right they were. Uh, Rex uh, was his name. Uh, Rex had a wonderful testimony to share as someone who gave his life to Jesus, midlife, and how Jesus had changed him from a a pretty hard-living, kind of thoroughly well-tattooed person in the Navy to someone who dearly had loved Jesus at that point for many decades. And despite the fact that uh, his ageing body was failing him, He was just one of those people who never lost the joy of his salvation. Uh, We developed uh, quite a special relationship Uh, over those coming months. He'd send me little cards of encouragement that were good for the heart of someone struggling to kind of learn the ropes and going through some harder times. And it was probably, I, I think if my memory serves me correctly, about 18 months later, I got a call that Rex was in Ashford and that the time was nigh and that I should drop everything and come and visit him. Uh, The doctors let me know that his uh, body was shutting down and that he wouldn't last the day. And the family gave me the great gift of some alone time with Rex, and we chatted and prayed. As we shared communion together, the smile, the joy, the kind of twinkle in the eye that Rex was famous for, we're all there as we encourage one another in the gospel one last time. He wanted to rest, the family came back, and by the time I was back at my desk again, Rex's mortal life was over and he was with Jesus. Now some of you may have experienced something similar And if you have, I'm sure you'll agree that in those times there's a great clarity and focus that comes when the end is near. All distractions in life just simply fall away and you get a very precious insight into the great passions and heart of a person reflecting back on their time in this world. As we look at the letter we know as to Peter over the next four weeks, it's good to take to heart just those last few verses that we, uh, Jeff read to us, 
that Peter's writing thing, these things down because he knows his time in this world is coming to an end. And that we have his quite urgent distillation of the most vital of instructions. There's warnings there, there's encouragements that come from perhaps the closest eyewitness to Jesus' life and ministry. He was there and saw uh, Jesus' uh, death on the cross. He was there and saw the empty tomb. He met the risen Lord Jesus and uh, was with him until his ascension. He was a key figure in the life of the early church. So if you realise who Peter is and when and why he's writing, you get that urgency and just how precious these God-given insights are. And you'll get the kind of tone of the letter and it'll help you not only understand it right, but I think kind of getting the urgency behind it and why that's the case helps us apply it right to us today. You get that kind of make every effort kind of urging in today's reading. In the next two weeks, you'll get why he gives us both the great assurance of the trustworthy of both the prophetic word of old, but also of the reliability of the scriptures that are being given by God to people like Peter and the Apostle Paul to be shared with us. You'll get why he contrasts the absolute certainty that we can have with God's word so strongly against the horror as he sees false teachings about Jesus that were springing up and why when you get to chapter 2 he uses such colourful language to denounce these false teachers. If you get the urgency of these last recorded words from Peter, you'll grasp why he focused so strongly on the certainty of the promise of Jesus' return. Warning his readers in the final chapter that inevitably there'd be a great uprising of scoffers who would mock those who believe in the certain promises of God that Jesus will return. If you get the tension and the urgency of all of this, by the time we get to the last verse of scripture we have recorded, uh, delivered via Peter, in chapter 3, verse 18, you'll understand that the command to all believers to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ isn't just some nice apostolic sign-off. It's actually an urgent call for Christians everywhere, given knowing that it's this growth in grace and knowledge of Jesus that is the only safe path to walk in this world that maintains our stability with God, that protects us from being led astray by false teaching to spiritual ruin. Understanding this heart behind 2 Peter, that this is a very precious farewell, we are now ready to understand it aright. And if you're just here today checking out who Jesus is for the first time or church and Jesus for the first time in a long time, it is my prayerful hope that this will be a great series for you to very quickly orient yourself to the beliefs, the worldview and the truth claims of Jesus. And I think it would be a pretty powerful combo to be here for the whole four weeks of 2 Peter 
and to join us uh, at life in a much smaller setting where you can ask all your questions as we step through uh, the core of what Christians believe about Jesus and why we think it's great news for everyone. So if that's you, come and have a chat uh, afterwards. Um, We're so glad you're here. We do things like running life course and planning churches like this because we believe Jesus contains the best message anyone on the planet can hear and we'd love you to be a part of that. So series set up now done, let's sink our teeth into today's reading and we'll work through what it's saying and its import for us all. It'd be great to have your Bible open to page uh, 1850 on the Bibles on your seats and there's an outline in your leaflets. Uh, In verse 1 we read uh, Peter's introduction where he says, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Right off the bat, there's important things to note here, that the term apostle is used in this context as referring to the 12 apostles Jesus chose. Uh, When it came to replacing uh, Judas, for example, the qualification needed to be appointed that uh, final apostle again was to be someone who had been there as an eyewitness of everything from Jesus' baptism, his life and teaching, death on the cross, rising to new life, and ascension into heaven. We're a fairly young church family here with people of all kinds of backgrounds, Christian or not. And I thought it's worth pointing out at this point, in some circles it's common to talk uh, about people having the gift of apostleship, which is really just a, uh, a biblical, is really just to use a biblical term in a non-biblical way to describe someone's personality or role in the church. In the context here in 2 Peter, what's at, and with what's at stake, Peter is saying, I was an eyewitness to all and I was chosen by Jesus for this task. Now he's not big noting himself here, but in the context of the false teaching that he's so keen to warn Christians about, he's saying, I've got a message from our God and Saviour Jesus that's not up for debate. It cannot be altered. This teaching is both authoritative and irreplaceable and Peter stands in the great line of God's delegates and spokesmen across time. More on that next week. But uh, uh, Peter kind of partners the very strong kind of I'm part of a select group of unique uh, people speaking with the same power and authority as the prophets Uh, kind of vibe so wonderfully well with an opposing statement that all believers have received a faith, kind of a a right standing with God, a relationship with God as precious as those select apostles, verse 1. Which to me just speaks so wonderfully powerfully about the universality and impartiality with which God offers every person on the planet a very precious, precious and equal relationship with him. So if you're here today or listening online and wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus yet, hear very clearly, this is an offer of a full and precious relationship with the God who made you. You and I can stand in the exact same relationship with God as Peter, an eyewitness to Jesus' life. God shows no partiality. 
as you drive past our sort of Adelaide's famous bowling from the cathedral end, uh, St Peter's at North Adelaide, adjacent the Adelaide Oval, all of us who call on Jesus as Lord and Saviour can say, I have the same precious relationship with God to the guy who had this beautiful cathedral named after him. You might want to rename it, you know, St. Jeremy's or uh, St. Helen's. Hence Peter's opening prayer of blessing, knowing that this precious relationship can be ours. He says, verse 2, to all who read this, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, a good commentary or study Bible at this point We'll bring out that there's a subtle nuance that Peter's working with here, that there are two slightly different terms for knowledge that are used so much throughout 2 Peter. And while they both read to us simply as the word knowledge, Peter is making a subtle distinction throughout his letter between two different forms of knowledge. I think the best way to explain it is, of course, knowledge can just be information about something or someone, And Peter uses the word that way in verses 5 and 6, and we'll get to that. Yet we all get that there's a very different way we can refer to knowledge in a far more relational sense. A good friend or partner will know much more than just information about you. They'll know you personally through relational experience. Here, in this verse, Peter speaks of a personal knowledge we can have of our God and Saviour Jesus. Now, uh, speaking of the two parts of the Trinity separately, whereas just in the verse before, he referred to Jesus also as our God. And we see just how important both forms of knowledge are as Peter kind of shares his final uh, words here. Uh, beginning in verse 3, where we're told his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So often false teachers manipulate the anxious Christian hearts in the room and put it to you that you need Jesus plus something else to know uh, that you are blessed by God. Jesus plus prosperity to know you are blessed. Jesus plus miraculous healing, that you need Jesus plus speaking in tongues, Jesus plus some kind of emotional transcendent experience to have confidence. Whereas Peter says, no, if you know Jesus relationally and being called in a relationship with him, God in his divine power has already given you everything you need for a godly life. And that we can trust in God's precious And very great promises, verse 4. Now, a great tip for good Bible reading, if you're pondering what those promises might be. Of course, many might come to mind that those who trust in Jesus have had their sins penalty removed from them. Yet, instead of kind of wondering what they might be, sometimes it's just good to kind of sit down and pay careful attention to a letter like 2 Peter as we read it to see if Peter had something in mind later in the book. And we do indeed find in chapter 3, verse 4, that Peter lays his cards on the table and wants all Christians to be strengthened and hold on to the promise of Jesus' return. That we might live as people who know that this world will be liberated from its decay, its troubles, 
and all who belong to Christ will be with him forever as the heavens and earth are remade upon Jesus' return. There really is no more precious promise that the believer has and that now, by the Spirit, knowing that we've escaped our world's, you know, that kind of cause and effect sort of bondage to sin and decay, that we've been set free to live for God now. Given what God's given us, that grace and peace that is now ours in abundance, Peter now urges us to make every effort, verse 5, to give ourselves over to the goal of Christian growth and progress. As we read from verse 5, given everything God's done for us, we're told, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. I think it's a very well-rounded list that encourages us to pursue uh, goodness and knowledge, for example, uh, this time focusing on the more informational uh, form of uh, knowledge that is ours as we turn the pages of God's very reliable word to us, that the word of God would transform us and round out our character. I think in a sort of non-exhaustive list, sort of showing that it bears fruit in self-control, perseverance, godliness. All things that make a great deal of sense if you have a clear expectation of the personal return of Jesus as promised. Yet for now, it's the horizontal traits that Peter brings uh, this point to a climax on. Mutual affection for one another in the church and of love for one another. And Peter drives home the point with kind of the clarity and bluntness you'd expect someone sharing their final thoughts on in verses 8 and 9. Because he says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that relational knowledge that we have as we experience life with Jesus. But equally, he says, but whoever does not have uh, these qualities in increasing measure is nearsighted and blind, having forgotten that they've been cleansed from their past sins. He's making a pretty direct and pretty blunt point there, that if you want to be both effective and productive, flowing out of your personal relationship and knowledge about Jesus, in response to God's grace, we are called to make every effort to pursue these personal character traits and relational goals within Jesus' church. Pursue them, Peter promises us, and we will never stumble, verse 10, and we'll receive a rich welcome into Jesus' eternal kingdom, verse 11. And you have to take this all flowing out of the encouragement that God has already given us, that we have been given everything necessary already to live this godly life as Peter defines it. For me, there's a couple of points of application among many that I'd like to focus on here. And firstly, I want to say that it's helpful to kind of recognise there is a quite a big distinction between knowing about someone, in this case God and his son Jesus Christ, and having a relational knowledge with them. 
contrasting just informational knowledge and relational knowledge. And you do come across some Christians in life who seem to pursue kind of Bible knowledge as an end in itself. Uh, something happened kind of early on in my experience of the Christian life that has made me a little bit wary about people high on biblical knowledge but come across as quite kind of cold and indifferent relationally. Um, well over 20 years ago now, I was paired up uh, to lead a ministry with someone uh, who, for whatever reason, uh, she didn't like me very much. Uh, now I know it's hard to imagine uh, for you. <laughs> But she'd often be quite cutting and critical in her words to me in private. Now, she was loved by her friends, well regarded by the leaders of the church for her biblical knowledge and her zeal for talking to people about Jesus. Yet to me, as a fairly young Christian, I, it always came across to me that her efforts to share about Jesus seemed to come from a desire to be right about something and prove other people wrong. I didn't see or feel that love there. And sadly, she ended up renouncing both her commitment to Jesus and to her spouse and lives today, as I understand, now as an opponent of Jesus. Now, this made a really big impact on me in my early days as a Christian. And, you know, from that point, I, I then sort of progressed and uh, had many years of ministry among uh, youth and young adults at Trinity Church Adelaide. Whereas anyone who gets involved in ministries like that will realise that you do spend a disproportionate amount of time giving people uh, relationship uh, advice uh, when they ask for it, and sometimes I did when they didn't ask for it. <laughs> anyway, but I'd often say, don't look, you know, when people ask me about advice, you know, about someone that they were uh, thinking about starting a relationship with and whether I thought it was a good idea, I'd, I'd often say to them, don't look on how this person treats you and their friends at youth group, look at how they treat the people that they don't get along with in the church. Look at how, uh, if they're the kind of people who see and notice the person who's feeling on the outs at church, maybe standing by themselves and when they go over to them. Look and see how they serve others in love in the less kind of showy acts of service. Are they the kind of person who picks up the broom after the youth service? Because what I was trying to convey there is I think real Christian character displays itself in showing love to all people in God's family. Not just in how you treat your friends. Anyone can do that. Look for the people who have a loving and real relationship with Jesus and not just people who know things about the Bible. Many decades later, as we uh, were looking uh, at a church where I spend some of my time at Kernelite Gardens, we, we sort of thought we want to give someone the responsibility of helping us all to grow in the depth of our heart and our love for Jesus. And we gave that responsibility first at Kernelite Gardens and now uh, here at Tonsley to Kelly, who was uh, playing the piano uh, today. You've uh, seen her up the front. I didn't warn uh, Kelly about this. I'm, um, I'm sure I'll hear about this soon illustration on, on the plane as the staff team uh, go to a conference uh, this evening. But to me, uh, we chose Kelly for that task because there's something about Kelly's personal love for Jesus and the way that it flows out to others, not just through her music, but in the one-on-one catch-ups she has, how she encourages other people, 
that I thought, I want more of that in my life and I want everyone at church to have a bit more of it. There's a depth of relationship with Jesus there that flows out in a genuine affection and love for all. As I was trying to think about where to kind of draw this passage to, there's so many ideas uh, and things going on there. But I would encourage you to think through people that you know in your life who really embody that deep personal relationship for Jesus and it flows out to the way they treat people. Is that person have that deep personal relationship and they know that their Lord and Saviour Jesus has freed them from the penalty of their sin? given them these precious and very great promises of being part of their uh, Jesus' eternal kingdom? And do they live in response to that, uh, showing that genuine love and affection from others? From where I stand, I see not only Kelly, but many other people in the life of the church who have both an effective and a fruitful Christian life because all of those things come together. Now, please don't hear me venerating a certain personality type here. Uh, Kelly's someone who naturally shows great warmth to others. If I had time to kind of go around the room amongst those of you who I know quite well, I think there's some wonderful examples of people who are wired quite differently, who show love in the quiet acts of behind-the-scenes service in prayer, loving one another's pastorally well when life is difficult, giving generously, one-on-one encouragement to one another, people opening up their homes for newcomers. There's whole lots of different ways that we can show our love and it looks different for different people. But the reason I give one tangible example is I wanted you to kind of consider the life and consider the urging that I think Peter is calling us all to here one that is so tightly bound in our relationship to Jesus that it plays out both in our Christian character and our genuine love and affection for others. So for the followers of Jesus in the room, we're being challenged. How is my personal relationship with Jesus going? Not just how is my knowledge about him going? Am I trusting in the precious and very great promises of God and making every effort to pursue this godly life as Peter defines it here, as he urges us towards. I love how Peter finishes this section. He says to his original readers and to us, I know you know this, but the end is near and I want to make every effort, says Peter, that you might always remember these things. Uh, To me, that's... uh, a great insight into Christian ministry that so often we're not just conveying new ideas or points. And I can actually look out to a a church that uh, I know many of you and we've, uh, long time or short, we've partnered together in the gospel. It's to say, I know you know these things. I'm not pretending that you don't and you're not putting them into practice, but just encouraging you to keep going, to keep loving others, to keep growing in that personal relationship with Jesus for it to kind of pursue this character formation that Jesus brings and that it might end up in great love and mutual affection for your brothers and sisters in Christ. So keep going. I know so many of you already know this. Please hear this as a great encouragement to persevere. 
Peter wants us to know and to be fortified and reminded of these truths. Because in the end, it's really changed Christians who change the world by pursuing these things. For me, Rex, the older gentleman I shared communion with on his last day, was a man who God used in his immense kindness to really change me. Because my first year as a pastor was a fairly tough one. I lost my brother to suicide just a few months into the role, and the little notes of encouragement from Rex I'd regularly receive, he'd just write these funny little things on a card. He would say, you know, at the end of today's sermon, I really wanted to stand and clap, so I couldn't, but I'd write you this card instead. <laughs> they were great things for the heart to receive little notes like that from Rex regularly. And the joy he displayed in his catch-ups meant the world to me. He was a man who had a wonderful relationship with Jesus, and he changed not only my life, but many other people's life by the love and affection that just oozed from him. Uh, if Rex, you know, couldn't occupy a more special place in my heart. I remember um, a few months uh, after he died, we were into the sort of planning and planting of uh, Trinity Church Kernelite Gardens and a bit worried about the finances for the setup. And I get a letter, and it was a letter uh, from uh, Rex that uh, he'd included in his will uh, some money uh, for the new church plant because he just wanted to encourage us to keep going and sharing uh, Jesus with people and loving them. Change people like Rex change the world by the character of their life and the way that it manifests itself in genuine affection and love in the church, as Rex changed mine. As Peter encourages us to all do likewise, making every effort to live in such ways, I wanted to say that there's so many examples that I take encouragement from here at Trinity Church Tonsley. People opening up their homes to welcome new people in the way our young adults are really trying hard to welcome and to invite others along. Those working faithfully behind the scenes, showing their great love, making morning tea for us, coming early, leaving late, putting out all the chairs and packing down at the end of the day. But there's one specific shout-out I thought, uh, I hope you find all tremendously encouraging this morning. And it's really uh, come to my attention lately just how good a job uh, those who lead our youth are doing at the moment. As a parent who has kids in youth, I'm so thankful that my kids are served by people like James and, and Hannah sitting there, uh, Aubrey Wisely currently overseas coming back, uh, Grace who's on base today, Luke uh, who's on sound and I hope I haven't missed any of uh, youth leaders there. It's always dangerous uh, when you do that. But uh, I, I mean to include everyone. I think they're a great bunch of leaders because I know them well enough to know they have a deeply personal relationship with Jesus. They've been changed by him and are really changing the lives of our youth as they love and serve them. Changed Christians really do change the world in such ways. I can see that in the life of our youth and all the feedback I've got from our parents as the kids headed away to summit camp just a few weekends ago. 
And again, it's but just one of many examples of I, that I could give to encourage us all that whatever your gifts, whatever personality you have, whatever way you're wired, think about how can I give it all in thanks to my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who loves me, knowing that we've already been given everything we need to ensure that we never need to be unproductive or ineffective in the Christian life. I'll close there in prayer and I look forward to being with you over the next three weeks. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this very precious insight from the Apostle Peter, uh, who uh, in so many ways uh, is, um, just had, had such a special insight in, uh, to your heart as he had the immense privilege of uh, living with and being ministered to and observing uh, our Lord Jesus Christ and his earthly ministry. We thank you for um, the great insight that Peter gives that, uh, that to all of those who receive that same grace and who uh, understand what Jesus has done for us on the cross and the implications of him rising to new life again, that uh, for all who give themselves to Jesus as Lord and Saviour, that we can have that same precious relationship with you uh, both now and for all eternity. We thank you that uh, you have already given us everything that we need uh, to live the life that you call us to. You give us uh, your spirit, you give us your word, you give us knowledge about you, uh, you give us uh, people in our lives like we experience here in a local church family uh, that we get to live with and to love and to care for and we can sharpen one another and spur one another on as we uh, grow in uh, the godly character that you call us to. We thank you, Lord, uh, that by the power of your word and spirit and all of these things working together in your church, that over time we can grow um, in great love and affection for our brothers and sisters in Christ and that these are not simply relationships uh, born out of having you know, a shared personality type or, or the same passions in this world, but uh, your church here on earth is really the most uh, diverse a group of people uh, from all walks of life uh, that can grow in, in love for one another as we grow together uh, in our love for you. Please help us, Lord, uh, to make every effort to pursue these uh, great uh, qualities that you call us to, uh, because we each long, Lord, that uh, in our knowledge of you, uh, we, we long to be uh, both uh, fruitful and effective in our lives. And we thank you for those uh, that we can each, uh, uh, so many of us, I guess, can uh, look back to, uh, like me with Rex this morning, who have poured themselves into us, that change, that people changed by you really can change our lives. Please help us to pour ourselves out uh, in the love and service of others so that in your uh, goodness uh, to us. Uh, we can look back uh, one day, uh, like Rex did, on a life well lived and a life uh, spent encouraging and building up others in the faith and sharing the great news of the gospel uh, with many. So please uh, spur us along uh, towards these ends and like the Apostle Peter does for us, please help us to, uh, that even for those 
who have known this and some of us for some time, that we might remind each other of these truths and spur one another on to love and good deeds for the sake of your glory and for the blessing of your people and for our witness uh, to the great news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all of these things. Amen. (laughs)